0: This is a Saddleback Church Podcast. Well, hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of Doable Discipleship, the show that helps you deepen your friendship with God, or as we like to say, it's the show that helps you grow. My name is Linda Tokar, and I am joined today by my friend and co-teammate Brandon Bathauer, How are you, Brandon? I'm
1: doing great, Linda. How are you doing today? I'm
0: good. So excited about this episode and about the opportunity to talk to you today about neighboring. That's what we're talking about. So let's start by defining it. What exactly is neighboring? And is it qualitatively different from just, say, being a good neighbor, helping with the trash, lending a cup of sugar, that kind of stuff? What is neighboring?
1: Yeah, so um, being a good neighbor is something I hope we all will do as right. followers of Jesus, right? We'll be nice to people and try not to be a terrible citizen, right? right? This is this is an important thing, but um, yeah, neighboring is a word that's kind of grown, I think, over the last um, 10, 15 years. It's come into vogue, and I like it because, first off, it's an ING, right? So any word that's an ING means it's a constant, ongoing sure. thing, a uh, participle, is that right? Is it a participle?
0: Uh, maybe.
1: <laughs> okay. Grammar people out <laughs> This is out not there, a grammar check. <laughs> please uh, <laughs> respond. Anyway, so something that is ongoing. Right. An imperfect verb, if you will. There you go. Um, my Spanish teacher will be proud. So uh, here's the thing. So neighboring is something we are constantly doing. Now, what sets it apart, I think, from just being a nice neighbor, you know, making sure your dogs don't bark too much and all that stuff. Is that neighboring is an intentional act? Mm -hmm. It is a way of living in your community uh, for Jesus. Yeah. And neighboring, I think, done correctly, is really informed by a very powerful word, and it's Mm -hmm. the word incarnation. Okay. Uh, carne, Mm -hmm. meat, flesh. Incarnation means like in the flesh, Mm -hmm. and this is. Something that Jesus uh, shows Mm us—the incarnation. John one says it beautifully. It says, "The Word, the Word, the Logos—this big, amazing, broad concept of all of of all the universe being held together. The Word Mm -hmm. became flesh and made His dwelling among us. Mm -hmm. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So." Uh, John 1 14. Uh, This is this picture of God's love for us means showing up into our reality Mm -hmm. and that is really the heart of neighboring that I think it's it's very easy for the place we live Mm -hmm. to be a place where we kind of turn off the way that we Mm -hmm. live in love like Jesus. we think, Mm -hmm. well, we go to church. We do the nice church stuff over there. uh, And then maybe if you've got like some hobby where maybe there's some people there that you think, okay, that's good for me to share the love of Jesus there. But then you come home uh, and suddenly we kind of like turn off. Let our
0: guard down and just...
1: Yeah. So neighboring is saying, no, no, no. Jesus... Uh, showed God's character in that he stepped into reality. Yeah, what I like is uh John 1, 14 in the message. It says, the Word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood.
0: I love that.
1: So that's i I think that's really the heart of mm-hmm. of neighboring is realizing we are in Christ, and when we move into the neighborhood, we uh, are reflecting. The God who says, well, the best way to serve was not to stay far away Mm -hmm. in some other space, but to step into real reality with people. So that's, I think, what the heart of neighboring is.
0: I love that. I love that. Now, I know that this is something that you and your amazing wife, Bethany, are super passionate about. Um, So tell me a little bit about how about your journey with neighboring and how it grew to be such an important part of how you live out your faith.
1: Yeah, uh, this is really goes so much to uh, to my wife. Um, we both were uh, really transformed by an understanding of the kingdom of God. That our Christian life is not something that we just live at church and uh, and that's kind of it. It is something that we uh, must integrate into all aspects of our lives. Mm-hmm. Jesus doesn't want to be the God of some category of right. our lives. He wants to be God over all of our lives. He wants to be king. And so as we think, okay, how can we allow him to be king over all aspects of where we live, work, and play? Uh, we were like, you know what? One major part of that are the people that live right around us. Sure. Um, you know, you walk from your car and you walk into your, at that time when we first... Um, got married and and uh, had our first place together you know we'd walk into our house close the door and that was kind of sure. it and then you start opening your eyes and think oh, these people around me carry the very fingerprint of God right like God has made these people mm-hmm. around me and I may just be bothered because they make some sound you know yeah. if it's a two-story thing and they're you know then you're thinking man could you just quiet down that dog or whatever else and it's like no these are people that God has placed literally right around yeah, us yeah and yet we sit we live so atomized we live like these little atoms that we just function in our little mm-hmm. tribes and it was like this would be really helpful so we started having a few conversations with some of our neighbors just like intentionally walking around our apartment community uh, up front And started running into people. We started, you know, this before kiddos, we'd go and hang out in the community spa. And that created some great opportunities for conversations. And what we started to realize is uh, in social media and all these other places, we fall into these tribes. And we always view, man, this group as the other. Right. And it was so cool to like, no, we're all very three-dimensional people. Mm -hmm. And when you come face-to-face with somebody, this is really cool. So. We moved from just being kind of passive uh, people kind of involved in getting our toes wet in neighboring to like, let's be really intentional with this. And so, um, you know, we started to think through some aspects of like, okay, let's let's start mapping our community. You know, let's think about the people that live around us. And when we run into somebody, um, we'll try to get their name and we'll Mm -hmm. build a little map, put it on our fridge with the names of people around us. Mm just so we would be praying and thinking about them. And then when we run into them, we can at least say their name, which right. is so valuable. And, uh, and this became started being really cool. We started like noticing, okay, this thing went on with somebody They went through a hard mm-hmm. time. So we'll make them some cookies yeah. and have some conversations and started to be kind of become, I would say people who started to care for the people in the community. They started to kind of look to us mm-hmm. in this little uh, community in Costa Mesa They started to look to us as a group of people that, you know, cared for them. Yeah. And more and more, we're like, this is very much, this is really cool. Like, this is what Jesus would do if he lived in this apartment community in Costa Mesa. (laughs) Right. He's not jamming things down people's throats or trying to um, have super awkward sales pitch conversations. No,
0: Just just loving them, serving them.
1: Yeah, as you go about your right. way. If you look right, at right. Jesus, so much of his ministry was ministry along the way. Absolutely. Uh, with interruptions and, mm-hmm. you know, these things that would happen. That's how he loved and served in so many ways. So so then we took it up one more notch. The, the story kind of ends here. So we took <laughs> it up one more notch, and there's an organization that allowed you to live as Christians, to go and neighbor with Jesus' love in mm-hmm. an apartment community for like two years. Wow, a two-year stint uh, where you get to like put on events and welcome in new neighbors in like a large apartment community. It's a Christian organization called Apartment Life, mm-hmm. and um, we got to serve with them for two years, and that was like just so amazing. Yeah, the connections we were able to make, the life change we saw, the the hope that was poured into people's hearts, and we did a few book clubs, and it was just it was really cool to see. Um, A sense of community grow in that place and
0: it's contagious right because as you really is as you start it people that aren't even part of what you were doing begin to kind of perpetuate what you're doing because they're making friends they're meeting people yep it's creating community
1: it started to feel like home for a lot of people who were in this apartment community in anaheim where you know most people would be there for one year before they moved to somewhere else to somewhere else to somewhere else and you know, never really getting any type of community going on. And yeah. it was amazing, all these young professionals and people that wow, they suddenly had a community. They mm-hmm. suddenly had friends. And um and then all of that was kind of washed in Jesus' love. And the conversations we got to have that naturally sprung up with people who'd gone through some really hard times and we could share the hope of Jesus with them was just really, really cool. All that to say we then moved into a, a neighborhood. We have a, a home now, and it's continued. So, like our our neighbors, we have game nights regularly, and a few of our neighbors come over, and um, and they are have very different worldviews than we have. Sure, um, sure. And, gosh, it's been so cool to see what a little intentionality can do.
0: Yeah, no, I love that because it's not it's not complicated, and it's not it's not um pushing it down their throats. It's just inviting them, just presence. It's being around them. It's caring for them. It's a game night. I mean, a game night's pretty neutral, except that you missionally have decided that you're going to love them in Jesus' name, and I love that.
1: Well, and, you know, part of that is um, we can sometimes get a little nervous, like, well, I mean, am I doing this in Jesus' name uh, if I don't quote some scripture or get somebody to say this prayer. Am I really doing it in Jesus' name or I'm just being nice or whatever? And, you know, I think there's a certain settled confidence you can have if you're spending time with Jesus mm-hmm. that you can know, hey, this is different. This yeah. way of loving people and this way of presencing the kingdom in this mm-hmm. space, Um, I don't need to feel worried about having to check this box or that right. because Jesus' love will pour out from what I do if exactly. I'm rooted in the vine. And um, that kind of settled confidence has been really helpful. Sure. And kind of like Pastor Rick always says, you know, you build a bridge of love and let Jesus walk right. across.
0: Right, right. You're just building bridges. Yep. Yep, I love that. Now, as I was preparing for this episode, I did a little bit of research just on, um, do people know their neighbors? You know, is this a reality? <laughs> That most of us are living into. And unfortunately, uh, most of the research suggests that people can't even name their immediate neighbors. Mm -hmm. They don't even, you know, I mean, we've gotten to the point where we can live next to people. We can share fences with people. (laughs) We can even see them semi-regularly going in and out of the garage and not know their name, not know a thing about them. And so I'm just curious, like, how have we gotten so disconnected and what has this cost us?
1: Mm. Well, you know, we've talked about how the garage garage oh, door yeah. opener has ruined community. Yes. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, this you, you open the garage door, you drive in, you close it, and you never have to walk around. Right. We actually intentionally chose a community uh, to buy a house where it's a one-car garage and the other car you have to park in like a little bit of a community lot that's like, you know, maybe 20 steps away from the house because mm-hmm. that forces people in the community to... You know, one of the two people live in the house, usually yeah. they have to walk a little walk. bit to their house, which means you run into people a bunch. Mm-hmm. Um, but that I know that's not always uh, an option. All that to say, uh, I, I think what it has cost us, I think that's such a good question. Um, there's a bunch of research, a book called Bowling Alone. Uh, it's mm. just such a powerful book about our need for community and how we've lost it. That uh, as a society, a lot of our things where we used to be connected, these uh, even these social clubs like mm-hmm. Lions Club and whatever, oh, yeah. those are, as generations have moved on, are kind of mm-hmm. falling apart. And so our community that we've sought to find, the way we've tried to scratch that itch is in tribalism, mm-hmm. which is largely in a digital setting. right. Um, so I find community by this political movement, this uh, this uh, tradition, this religion, this perspective, this whatever. That that's where I find my community. But I'm not I'm not actually with no <laughs> the people. It's more uh, we have this shared uh, idealism. Yeah, I was
0: gonna say it's ideological. Yes, it's like you, you're connected because you share an ideology, but there's not the presencing. of Jesus, there's not...
1: It's not relational.
0: Yeah, there's no relational component to it whatsoever.
1: And we saw this during COVID. As as relationships were decreased, uh, this ideological connection sought to increase. And what it often does is it two-dimensionalizes us as humans. Right. Um, Because what will happen is you join this ideological group and the more extreme voices in the ideological group continue to press the ideology forward and if you're seeking to be kind of a moderate in that ideological group you will be cast aside because you're not pressing where it needs to go and so what happens is these these groups really do press people into you must have this exact set of beliefs and propositions or you're not welcome here right what does that do to our understanding of our identity right um there's so much brokenness that comes from it and I mean, let's be honest. Let's all just put ourselves in that moment and ask ourselves, how does that make us feel? Is that working for you? Cause yeah. I'll Thinking tell no. you what happens as I find my identity more and more in an ideological group with no relationship. It leads to greater anger, mm-hmm. frustration, strife, um, shame, guilt, uh, envy. It's like all that stuff that Paul lists out is like, you want to yeah. know what it's like to not be in the kingdom of God? Right here it is. (laughs) Well,
0: yeah. And it strikes me that, you know, we can have, when we've become sort of in this two-dimensional space where it's like, this is what I think and believe. That's what you think and believe. We're different. When it's just ideological, when there's no relationship, it's easier for me to other you Mm -hmm. to say, oh, you're not like me. Mm -hmm. But when I live next to you and I'm doing life with you, you may have different beliefs than me. You may think different political things than I do, Mm -hmm. but As we do life together, I see that we have more in common than we do that separates us. And that helps me to love you better.
1: Yeah, the three dimensionality of life is that, you know what? Politics doesn't come up all that much. No. You actually, you're moving in the trashes and then you're saying, what's the weather like? And you're talking about hobbies and like, that's what natural humanity is actually like. But as we've gotten into these spaces, we've tried to do, we've tried to make our town square a uh, a digital space uh where conversations happen guess what happens it, it leads to the more extreme very heavy things yep. um and so yeah we've gotten into politics with our neighbors but that came after a few months of conversations right
0: and being friends with them you're mm-hmm. able to separate and say okay so we disagree on that one thing yep. like, you're a really great person and i like you right that changes the game
1: exactly it reminds me of this one um it's like a a meme that's gone around there it is digital space but where there are these uh there's this gate closed and these dogs are just like barking at each other like crazy it's an automatic gate and they're like they're going at each other baring their teeth and then the gate opens and they just become like sweet little puppies to each other (laughs) because they can see each other fully and then the gate closes again and they just start going i think this is a picture of what neighboring is yes And what it costs us when we aren't actually in relationship with people. Mm -hmm. Um, and again, the atomization we've broken into these little atoms and we don't see ourselves as part of a neighborhood and part of a community. Mm -hmm. Um, and that lack of contextualization has a major ramification on how we think of ourselves. And I think it has a major ramification on society in general. Um, I think we've lost a lot of what humans have done for all of our history yeah. of understanding our neighborhood, our, mm-hmm. our immediate family, um, our larger community. Um, we just think kind of global only right? and not contextual.
0: No, oh, I, I love that. So let's flip the coin. We know what we've lost and what it's cost us. So let's look at the other side. What are the benefits of neighboring and why should this be important to us as followers of Jesus?
1: Yeah, so I think I was naming some of those that yeah. I, I think that we have um, the opportunity to see other people as other people. Mm-hmm. Um, not just as the other, um, but we get to see them as human beings yeah. and that God loves and that that is transformative. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So whether that is, we've talked political lines, but that could be ethnic lines, that could be traditional lines, that could be cultural lines, com- uh, language mm-hmm. um, it's it's a really cool thing in our neighborhood. We have, uh, you know, quite the mixture of of kind of ethnos, right? Different eth- ethnicities and language groups. Yeah. And for my son and my daughter, it's so cool that as we lean into our neighborhood, it's a reflection of this space. Yeah. And so they're not just around people just like them, mm-hmm, and that's mm-hmm. really a gift. For sure. Um, so uh, so I think that's a huge benefit um, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it's a little reflection of what heaven's going to be like. Yeah. Um, every tribe, every tongue. Um, it expands our thinking a little bit, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, we, I've had a much larger picture of who Jesus is mm-hmm. by loving and serving and being loved and being served yeah. by the people around me. Um, Christians and non-Christians alike. Um, yeah. What have what have you experienced, Linda?
0: Well, I, for me, so we've lived in the same neighborhood now for 24 years. And there are families that we've, I mean, when we all moved in, we either had one kid or no kids. and <laughs> you know, And now the kids are all grown. Some are married. They're in college. And so we've gone through a whole lot together as neighbors. And, most of them don't necessarily share our faith. And yet we have these long-term friendship relationships with them. And that has been, you know, through hard times, through, you know, for some of them marriages and divorces and deaths and all kinds of things. And yet um, we've been able to just create, we have these relationships that allow us to share with them and pray with them and and they'll receive it whether they agree with it or not, you know, just because we've got history. And so neighboring has been something that has been really important for me and my husband, Scott, where we we want to know our neighbors and we want to we want to be present in our community as best as we can. It's been interesting, though, um, as some of the people that were there when we first got there as they moved away and some younger families moved in getting to know them has been a little bit more challenging because we all had kids the same age and we all, you know, for a long, long time. So we've had to just make a more concerted effort mm-hmm. to try to like catch them when they're outside and say hi you know, and introduce ourselves. But I think, um, you know, one of the things just culturally right now in this cultural moment, the um, the epidemic of loneliness, we've talked about that in other, in other spaces, but statistics say that, 58% of american adults reported being lonely in 2021. So this is after this is kind of you know kind of coming out of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Still over half of americans are saying i'm lonely. 7% said they always feel lonely. And so i think that when you when we we think about neighboring and it's just as i'm listening to this i'm thinking about there are people that live Within an arm's length of my house that may feel lonely, that are sitting in their home wishing somebody would talk to them, would reach out to them. Yeah,
1: 58%. Would. We're talking literally every other house. Right. You know, I'm looking at this stat. It says 21% of adults have no close friends. Yeah. So we're li- literally talking one in five. Um, so count out the houses around you. One in five, they would have zero friends. And you know, I think a a thing that I've noticed among my generation, a lot of my, the people on on my street are younger, um, just starting to have kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, as there's this shift where so many people are working at home more, Mm -hmm. uh, some of them going entirely remote. Most people I've talked to, so many of them are like, well, yeah, I'm I'm almost entirely remote at this point. Um, They don't even have work friends. This is where they live and work is now their home. Mm-hmm. And uh, COVID actually was an interesting thing because neighbors started to bond a little bit more because we weren't out driving to all these different right. places. You were just kind of around yeah. where you live. <laughs> yeah. You were forced to be a bit more contextualized. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, gosh, that's actually been really, I think, a a value that I hope mm-hmm. we don't lose as as everything is kind of back to normal a bit more or whatever the new normal is. Yeah. Um, that a lot of people, their work life has changed. And so, man, this is a great space where it doesn't feel all that like revolutionary. Right. And yet it is. You look at these stats. Uh, 53% of U.S. adults say that it's really difficult to make new friends because they are shy. Uh, they don't. They don't. They're not good at making friends. Half of the people say, "I don't know how to make friends," yeah. and then you know, again, one in five say zero, zero close friends. Which no is, one to talk yeah. to. No one to call if there's an emergency. Mm-hmm. And then you think about here in Southern California, we have a lot of people who have come from different countries, mm-hmm. where then even celebrations from their own culture right. are alone so we yeah. have a, um people right next to us uh the Lees who from from china and uh you know lunar new year yeah no one to celebrate with right here they are their family is is in china and so we looked on youtube and tried to figure out okay what what is the color you're supposed to go with and even or odd amount of apples and like try to get to know what is exactly the the cultural realities, how to celebrate this well. Yeah. And so we stopped by their house and said, we want to celebrate with you. And I'll tell you that opened such amazing doors. They they are believers as well. Um, and man, this started a trade where then they started bringing us Um. wonderful treats that they've made. And then we started this back and forth and it's been so cool. Um, and that just started with thinking, God, they're probably lonely. Right. And, man, we want to welcome them in the name of Jesus. This is, there's a lot of scripture about welcoming in the immigrant. Uh Uh, (laughs) Uh-huh. A lot. Yeah. And so, hey, let's do that as well. So when I think about loneliness, it is working from home. It's immigration. It is, uh, you know, then just isolation in general. It's us losing our relational skills Mm because we're doing everything in a digital space. Uh, whew, that yeah. is an epidemic of loneliness yeah. and simply by just being present and yeah. presencing the kingdom, we can have deeply transformative impact on our neighborhoods, which is really cool.
0: I love that. So how, where would we see neighboring in the Bible? Like what examples or principles could we take from scripture to help us think about this?
1: Yeah, so uh, kind of... Uh, that, that John 1, I think, yeah. is the one to, to hang your hat on there of being incarnational. Again, if in God's grand plan to save the world, what he decided to do was limit God's self mm-hmm. to step into a particular place at a particular time to a particular people. Um, that's not what I would do if I was God. <laughs> I would think universal. I'd think global. I would think, you know, figure out some awesome huge megaphone to send to every person right. on earth. And God decided, no, I'm going to send Jesus to this Mm -hmm. particular little community, um, where he speaks that language, uh, to those people. Mm -hmm. And so if that is God's plan to save the world, Mm -hmm. well, we better do the same thing. And so we can often think, I want to change the world, get all global and universal. Um, God did it by stepping into a community Mm, and, uh, by living in the neighborhood. And so, I think that that's what we're called to do as well. Um, 2 Corinthians 5, um, a favorite for me. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and then check this out and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against him. He's committed to us the message of reconciliation. Listen to this. We are, therefore, Christ's ambassadors, Mm. as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Now, reconciliation, uh, when you think of it like a broken relationship where it's mended, what, what this verse is talking about is saying heaven on earth. Mm. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. That is the reconciling work is singing God's reign and rule here among us. And so Mm -hmm. we are ambassadors. Mm -hmm. And so when I think about uh, neighboring, I think of myself as an embassy of the kingdom of God in that neighborhood. Mm. Wow. My house is an embassy (laughs) and I'm representing the kingdom of God. And so there's brokenness. There is pain. There is wrongdoing. There is all of this stuff that happens in my neighborhood, and I need to be an embassy Mm. um, and an ambassador of kingdom on earth. This is what it looks like when God is in charge. Uh, God reigns here in our lives and in this house. Mm -hmm. And so that is a prayer. When we first moved into our house, Bethany and I just sat and prayed over our house and just prayed that this would be a place of peace, of God's true shalom. And that when people walk into this home, they would sense God's presence and his reign and rule. And may that be true in our lives and in this home for this neighborhood. And um, I want to give you just an idea to play around with. OK, so you can think of embassy. Think of your home as an embassy yep. in the neighborhood. One more thing from Scripture, First um, Peter 2, uh, verse 9. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. Uh, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. That picture of the priesthood. Um, so in Catholic tradition, you know, uh, in our church history, in our shared church history, there's this idea of a parish. Mm-hmm. And a parish was a, a kind of an area, some neighborhood. Some of them are bigger if it's rural. Some of them were smaller. <clears throat> in New York, they have a parish that's literally just like, here are your 10 blocks. Yeah, And a priest would be placed in that parish where it was their job to essentially reflect the kingdom of God in that 10 blocks. Yep. That was their parish. And so that meant caring for the uh, the businesses that were there, mm-hmm. helping the business leaders, loving the families that were there. Of course, there would be some Christians within that parish that you would help build up to show, to show them how to love their neighborhood better. I think this is how we as Christians are meant to live. Um, now, we are a holy priesthood. We are all priests. We believe in the priesthood of all believers, that if you are a, followers, a follower of Jesus, you are a priest. And what that means is you are this intermediary between heaven and earth. So if you view yourself, you view your neighborhood as your parish and you are the priest of that parish your job is to see more and more of god's reign and rule and love show up in your parish uh what would that do what would that do in your neighborhood what would that do in your relationship what would that do in yourself as Ah. you view what's going on if that house is not just the place for you to drive in go to sleep recharge so you can go back to work the next day and do that for the rest of your life until you die that doesn't sound so exciting no what if you viewed yourself as a priest Mm. the parish as an ambassador of the kingdom in your neighborhood there's a certain ownership there's a certain responsibility that we get to be cultivators and creators in that Mm -hmm. space of of god's reign and rule so maybe two ideas to be playing with
0: yeah, I, I'm i just, I love that so much because it does, it adds purpose to being there. It it makes me think about like when I'm going into the grocery store, when I'm going into my local coffee shop, how am I loving and serving there? Like it it expands my, just my thinking about how my presence in Christ everywhere that I go in the space that's been entrusted to me. Yes. And how do I know it's been entrusted to me? I'm there. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's not rocket science. If I'm there... Mm-hmm. then I've been called to love and live out Jesus in yep. that space. So I love that. So if if people are listening and thinking, okay, I'm in, I want to do this, what would be some like first steps that they could take if this is all brand new and they're thinking, ah, yes, I understand what he's saying. How do I do this? How, where, how would they start?
1: Uh, a simple one. Um, if you have a dog go on walks with your dog around your neighborhood. If you don't have a dog, go on walks around, around your neighborhood. neighborhood. Um, this is something we try to do. So if you have a community pool, mm-hmm. whether you go swimming there or not, just try to make a practice of just walking to that pool and see who you run into along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, don't wear headphones while you do so. Right. So the first off, this will be really good just for your own soul and for your body Go <laughs> for a walk. Um, but it will help kind of root you in your space a little mm-hmm. bit. And uh, and if you don't run into anybody, be praying. Yeah. Just be praying as you walk past these houses. If you're in a, like a condo community, it's a lot of houses you're going to be walking across and you probably will run into somebody. If you mm-hmm. are in a neighborhood with homes and they're stretched out over long areas, no problem. Still go for a walk. See who you run into. And guess what? Your neighbors who are sitting inside, they may see you. And... They may even eventually, after a year of doing it, will come out and say hey. Yeah. Uh, my my parents live in this um in this community where yeah, the houses are really spread out. They're on like half acre lots. And um uh this one neighbor has a pig mm-hmm. and they walk this pig named Bacon, which is clever <laughs> like every other day. Is and it you prophetic? know I'll tell you <laughs> it's prophetic. <laughs> Oh man, but I'll tell you what, when that neighbor walks around with their pig, everybody comes out and sure. says, hey to bacon, that pig has brought more community to that street I than 30 years it. of, of, uh, everything else. So, uh, little things like that, go on a walk. That's a great place to start. Um, that'll just help open your eyes again, root you in your context, open your eyes to the, the people that God has made and mm-hmm. placed around you, um, I think a neighborhood map is a great thing. Yeah. Um, I'm so bad with names. I'm so bad with names. You guys do this where you say, "Hi, my name is," and then they say their name, and you've already forgotten it. Um, when you are thinking of a map, though, in your head, you're gonna remember your name. That name. It's mm-hmm. gonna be important to you. What Bethany and I will do is like, as one person is introducing, then the other person will like write it in our phone, so we right remember. Right on. Um,
0: that notes app.
1: Yeah. It's glorious. Time. And this is just a way to show love to people, for goodness sakes, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and so try to come up with a map that helps you pray for people, that helps you know their names, um, and and then you can help, and you can tell people, hey, if you have any emergencies or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, feel free to reach out. Um, there's a book called Art of Neighboring. It's okay. a great place to start. Um, Dave Runyon and Jay Pathak. Um, it's a great place to start. It's, okay. it's a fantastic book, easy read. Um, I gotta say this pitch Uh, the One Life yeah. uh, journal we're mm-hmm. walking through the One Life campaign together as a church and um, if you're wondering okay I can be loving I can do all that stuff but like I'm really scared about having any conversations about like Jesus mm-hmm. or about my faith like that always it's scary to me how do I do that there's some really helpful resources in that journal that will basically say look it's it's not a spectrum where it's either do nothing or then help somebody say a prayer, <laughs> you yeah. know, to commit their lives to Jesus. It's Not a binary. It's the there general. are a lot of sp- steps in between of spiritual connection. Of just mentioning God in a small way. You mentioning you're going to go to church. It's a great way to start opening the door to deeper conversations. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and then one one last bit. If if you're doing this and you you want to be intentional about it one of the things that, that Bethany and I do is we have these like transformation indicators, like these, are we doing this well? Mm-hmm. Are we neighboring well? And the way that we'll know that one of them is reciprocation. So oh, that's interesting. We'll try to start noticing like our people, when people are in need, we had a few people that had babies in our, on our street. And so hey, we just, you know, drop off little gifts. Here's a thing of diapers or, you know, here's yeah. whatever and, uh, we know it's going well if we start getting reciprocated, oh, and uh, that started to happen. So neighbors are starting to drop off stuff at our house, and with each other, and it's right. like, okay, some cool's happening on the yeah. street. We're seeing a little bit more of the kingdom of God happen here. Mm. Um, so that's uh, that's neighboring.
0: I love it. Thank you so much. This has been such a fun conversation, friends. We love you so much, and. We hope you've been blessed by this conversation and we will be back next week with a new episode of doable discipleship see you next time
2: if you enjoyed this episode consider giving us a rating or review on itunes if you do you'll help other people find us in the future you can also listen to these episodes on youtube just subscribe to the Saddleback Church YouTube channel for these conversations, plus lots of other video content. And if you are already listening to us on YouTube, subscribe to the Doable Discipleship podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcasting app, so you can listen in the car or wherever else you go. Don't forget to visit saddleback.com slash doable to check out all of our previous episodes. And you can go to saddleback.com grow to find spiritual growth resources and view a calendar of upcoming events. Lastly, you can always get in touch with us by emailing maturity at solidback.com. Send us your thoughts, send us your questions, your Bible questions, your life questions, whatever. Who knows? Your question might just inspire an upcoming episode. Thanks again for tuning in to Doable Discipleship. I'm Jason Whelan, and I hope you'll join us again next week.